Well, here we go one more time. You are listening to KPCALP, Petaluma, California, at 103.3 FM and worldwide at www.kpca.fm. And this is the Midnight Skeptic. The views of the Midnight Skeptic are not, repeat, not necessarily the views of KPCA or any of its affiliates. Well, hello out there again. Um, this is uh, officially show number 33, uh, but it's the third show in a row that I've done. Uh, last week's show was kind of a supplementary uh, show. After this week, I'm going to be back on my regular schedule every other Sunday, and uh, I can always be seen on YouTube. Um, and also, uh, the views of the Midnight Skeptic certainly should be the views of PCA and uh, all of its affiliates. And uh, people that work there, everybody should agree with me. Uh, the world would be such a wonderful place if that were the case. Okay. Um, before I go on any further for my shout-outs and all of the stuff that I want to talk about, uh, send all suggestions and uh, critiques and especially hate mail to the Midnight Skeptic all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. Uh, it's being uh, suggested that I try to talk a little bit faster and still enunciate. Uh, the, uh, the problem is, and I will try to do that. That suggestion was a good one. Uh, these headphones that I'm wearing have a little bit of an echo in them, and that uh, it tends to screw me up. It makes um, me slower. Uh, not that I'm slow in that sense of the word. Speaking slower is what I mean. Okay, quick shout-outs. Okay, the Sonora Gang, Bob and Sandy Fisher. And uh, apologies, I forgot to mention you guys last Sunday. Um, and uh, Brad and Martha, Martha the nurse, take care of yourself, wear your PPEs. And um, the East Coast people, Gerilyn Goldfinger, uh, Dr. David Rubin, and his wife Vicki, and Nelson and Alice Lydell down in uh, uh, Sarasota, Florida, and Amelia. Uh, sh Amelia, if you're listening, I hope you do once in a while, this week in particular, um, uh, there's a hurricane bearing down on you. Oh, God. Brain freeze on the name of it. Uh, Mindy. Mindy. Uh, and it looks to me, like on the news broadcast that I saw here, that it was going to go right over you, uh, the St. Augustine area. Anyway, take care of yourself. I know you're responsible and will be hunkering down. Okay, the Sacramento people, Dave and Rosie Takach, and Mickey Huff, the godfather of Project Censored, who also has a program 
on uh, KPCA here on Wednesdays at 3, and it is rebroadcast on KPFA over in Berkeley, 94.1, on Fridays at 1 o'clock, I believe. Okay, anyway, listening to him, he's an interesting guy, and he has interesting guests. Um, okay, Stan and Kathy uh, down on Pacifica, Rich um, and uh, Kathy Berger, uh, thank you for the uh, wonderful dinner and the guests uh, last Saturday uh, locally, Tom and Nancy Throw, and uh, maybe a new listener, Nariman. Uh, that's his uh, name, although his uh, Facebook handle is Nariman. Okay, but his last name is, I believe he pronounces it Manucheri. And um, Yvonne Santos down in San Francisco and uh, Shannon Reed uh, back in Arkansas, who used to uh, live here in Petaluma. She was a massage therapist. Okay. And uh, okay, enough of all that. We got all the bookkeeping and, you know, stuff out of the way. Um, in the good old days, um, political discussions... Uh, you know, between liberals and conservatives, between Republicans and Democrats, uh, generally centered around, you know, the proper role of government in our lives, uh, the role of federal or state or local government and, and their relationships to each other, their budgets, their taxation, about monetary policy, uh, how much of a federal debt or deficit should we maintain or allow, whether inflation can be controlled or is good for the country, um, foreign policy, how much should we uh, go to bat for our allies or to uh, prevent uh, crimes against humanity, you know, um, massacres of uh, ethnic people, things like that. I mean, should we worry ourselves about it as a country? Uh, Milton Friedman's economics, you know, things like that are, are to be discussed in a rational manner. And it used to be that way before, okay, I'm going to put a date on this, uh, before 1980 when uh, Reagan was elected, it our political discourse went really downhill into the toilet since then. And that's part of what I'll be talking about on this uh, Midnight Skeptic show. Okay, but, but those kind of um, political economic discussions are all gone now. Um, the Republicans, and I blame them, of course I do, I'm I dislike Republicans, except with the exception of uh, a few relatives that I have and friends that are Republicans. I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are way too smart to have swallowed the Fox News Kool-Aid. But anyway, uh, uh, I know that you guys, Republicans, will take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. I'm talking about the MAGA heads out there, really. Okay. Um, da, 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 da. Uh, Republicans are bereft of real political economic ideas about any of those things that I just mentioned. 
they are just about winning elections, uh, no matter the costs, and uh, uh, whatever they have to do to win elections. Honest, dishonest, underhanded, overhanded, whatever. Uh, they are all about election security now, which is this idiotic phrase. There has been no uh, election tampering or uh, illegality, none of that. Uh, the uh, orange bloat bags on own um, security person for the government, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, gave out a report uh, after the 2020 election that there, that this was, I forget the guy's name, but he said, this is the most secure election in our nation's history. But, oh no, uh, since the orange bloat bag lost the election, uh, it obviously must have been stolen. And uh, to be a good Republican, now you have to agree with that proposition. Okay, Republicans nowadays since, um, I guess, beginning in the Reagan era, are all about guns, not having any restrictions on guns and their owners' registrations or training with them. They are all about restrictions on women's reproductive rights. Uh, zero abortions and zero birth control is the ideal situation in our nation, according to uh, Republicans and their evangelical base. Uh, they are now, this year and last year, they are all about not having to wear masks, facial masks, or get vaccinated. It really distresses me how much uh, politicization is wrapped up in just that simple thing of wearing a mask. Um, they are all about Denying science, uh, global climate change, and evolution are the two big anti-science things that Republicans are all about nowadays. It kind of culminated on the Senate floor um, with Senator Snowball from Oklahoma, I call him, James Inhofe, attempted to uh, prove that there was no such thing as global warming because he brought a snowball onto the floor of the Senate. Well, it was wintertime. There was snow on the ground. He is an idiot. And uh, most Oklahomans are not that idiotic. Uh, I choose to believe that, but don't reelect him. I don't know when he's coming up for election again, but just don't, okay? Um Wedge issues and grievances is uh, what they're all about now. Obama was absolutely right when he uh, claimed that the right, political right in this country, was all about God, guns, and gays. He got a lot of heat for saying that, and I, I believe that he walked back that statement a little bit. But but he was right. He was right. And uh, that was what the GOP was all about. That's who he was talking about, the Republican Party. 
And now I'll include abortion, racism, and power. That's what the GOP is all about now. Okay. I Like I say, if uh, you want to send me some hate mail, themidnightskeptic at gmail.com. All one word. All lowercase. I will get it, and I will either take it to heart or ignore it, depending. Okay. Here is an evil lawyer's update. Okay. On December uh, 14th of 2012... Oh, 26 people, including 20 children and uh, six teachers, were murdered at Sandy Hook Elementary School. I'm sure you all remember this horrible, horrible incident. Okay. In 2014, nine families filed a lawsuit against Bushmaster Firearms International. That's the company that made the Bushmaster automatic. That the guy, I forget the gunman's name, not important. He's dead. Um, and they also included in their lawsuit the maker of the gun used, CAM4, C-A-M-F-O-U-R. They're the ones that, I guess they're a subsidiary of Bushmaster. Anyway, they made the gun. And they also are the distributor of Bushmaster products. I think I got that wrong. Bushmaster made it. Cam4 distributed it. And uh, Riverview Gun Sales, which was this store, uh, the seller of the Bushmaster. And uh, that store, according to my notes, is owned by Remington Outdoor Company. Okay. Uh, Remington has been fighting the lawsuit ever since. Now, well, we're going on seven years. In 2019, the Supreme Court denied Remington's appeal to block the lawsuit. Um, at the end of uh, July of 2021, the now bankrupt Remington Company offered the families a settlement of uh, $33 million. These, they declined. The offer was rejected because of the restrictions on the nine families if they accepted it, meaning they can't go around talking about how Remington made the gun that shot their kids. They couldn't uh, badmouth Remington. Uh, so they rejected that lawsuit. On Thursday, Thursday, the 2nd of September, that's a week ago, Remington's lawyers mm, subpoenaed the report cards and attendance and disciplinary records of five kindergartners and first graders that were killed at Sandy Hook. If that isn't the lowest of the low, uh, I don't know what is. And I have known lawyers in my day that have gone quite, quite low. Uh, these lawyers are truly evil. Yes, I'm saying that. And I haven't been able to track down the name of the law firm. They're back east somewhere, but uh, they must all be Republicans. All right. Okay, enough of that. I, it, mass shootings no longer even make 
the front page of the newspapers anymore. Okay. Uh, more good news. The MGN segment. On the environmental front, on Wednesday, August 18th of uh, this year, it was you know, a little less than a month ago, uh, the world's first carbon-free steel was delivered to the uh, truck maker AB Volvo in Sweden. Green steel, quote-unquote, uh, or hydrogen steel, as it's sometimes called, is a method of using renewable hydrogen uh, to produce the steel. A pilot plant up in northern Sweden uh, makes this stuff, and it is hoped that by uh, 2026, the cost of green steel will become competitive with other methods uh, of producing steel. Uh, without uh, Steel nowadays uh, uses a lot of fossil fuels, mainly coal, in their steel-making plants to uh, uh, produce it. Okay, if that can be done away with, well, uh, essentially we won't need coal anymore because the coal-fired power plants are being shut down right and left. Thank goodness. Uh, like cement, steel production is responsible for about 7% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. All right. Um, I'm on the lookout for some good news about uh, cement making so we can uh, close cement plants down as well. Okay. This week, or at the first of this week, Governor Abbott of Texas, I'm sure all my listeners are up on the news about this stuff, um, the, uh, the Texas anti-women's law, fetal heartbeat, law was placed into uh, law, okay, and the Supreme Court would not review it. They just allowed it to become law in Texas. Okay, here is the medical truth, okay, and I've done a lot of research on this and from various sources, and I have a um, good lady friend who is an OBGYN, uh, for Kaiser. Uh, I'm not going to say her name, but she's uh, part of the uh, skeptical community, as am I. Uh, but uh, she's an OBGYN for Kaiser, Kaiser Hospital here in, in the Bay Area. I'm not going to say which hospital. But there were horrible Republican law in Texas banning abortions after a quote-unquote fetal heartbeat is detected which is usually around uh, six weeks, and usually before most women even realize they are pregnant. And uh, there's no exceptions in this bill for uh, rape or incest, as there usually are in uh, most, uh, I don't know, responsible abortion laws. Okay, um, this fetal heartbeat thing and the, the issue of when does life begin thing are both red herring arguments. First, 
the thing is not a fetus at this point. Okay, it's an embryo. If, if you call it a fetus, or if the abortion people call it a fetus, it tends to raise the specter in people's minds of a little, tiny little baby. Well, it's not that. It's an, uh, it's an embryo. An undifferentiated mass of cells. The cells are just beginning to form themselves into bodily organs at this stage of gestation. There is no heart and certainly no cardiovascular system. The rhythmic sound that an OBGYN can hear through the stethoscope, uh, what they can hear is a group of cells with electrical activity. That's one of the ways that cells communicate with each other and um, electrical signals are generated within the cells. Well, it's not a heart. It's just a group of cells that, given enough time, will eventually become a heart. At this stage of gestation, it is only electrical activity. It's not a beat, per se. And the technical name for it is fetal pole cardiac activity. All right? It's not a heart. Okay, so much for that. The anti-abortion uh, pro-women's slavery groups deliberately obfuscate for their right-wing agenda. Hearing the words heartbeat plays in, upon people's emotions and makes people imagine an infant. It's understandable, but it's not true. But it's all just a red herring. The only issue in this whole thing is who gets to decide what a woman does for her own health and with her own body. That's the only issue. You know, this, uh, is it alive? Is it a baby? Is it a not? That's all irrelevant. Who controls women? Okay, certainly not right-wing Republican politicians and certainly not right-wing evangelical conservative religious groups, neither of those groups um, should control, have any uh, input into a decision that a woman makes about her own body. It should be uh, uh, between the woman, her doctor, and whoever it is that she considers a, uh, an advice giver, you know, her parents maybe, grandparents maybe, her close friends, whatever. It's not up to the government, and it's not up to, especially not the MAGA heads uh, that have the evangelical Christians as their base, or Trumpers. None of those people should be making decisions for her. Okay, more good news. Uh, I'm going to go on to this uh, topic a little bit more later, but right now, more good news. Okay, are you ready for this? Mexico's Supreme Court has ruled that um, penalizing abortion is, are you ready for it, 
unconstitutional. And then there's a, here's a quote from the Chief Justice. Today is a historic day for the rights of Mexican women. Okay, and the Supreme Court Chief Justice, his name is uh, Arturo Saldivar. The state of Coahuila had a law, past tense, they had a law, that women and the person who provided the abortion were sentenced, could be sentenced up to three years in prison. Uh, take that, GOP and Governor Abbott. Mexico is way more progressive than your stupid state is. Uh, I, I don't hate the state of Texas, but they tend to be um, Republican-dominated, and uh, they're trying their best, the Republicans, uh, to make it harder for non-democratic-leaning peoples to vote, meaning minorities and college students, and uh, you get the drift. Okay. Uh, more good news, and I put on my notes here, I guess this is good news. Uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Tuesday, and he was at this, uh, not a conference, just a, a news, uh, oh God, um, having trouble with this word again, uh, where a politician gets up in front of a bunch of newspaper and media reporters and takes questions. Huh, God, hard to remember that word. Okay, in, in that uh, question and answer period, um, Governor Greg Abbott uh, said, rape is a crime in Texas? Jesus. Okay, what's next? Okay, and this is the most ridiculous thing that he said in answer to uh, one of these um, journalists' questions. We will eliminate rape in Texas. Well, good luck with that. Okay, and this is a direct quote. So, goal number one in Texas is to eliminate rape so that no woman uh, can walk the streets in fear of being raped. Uh, Texas State Senator, Republican of course, Brian Hughes, who sponsored this bill, said, quote, let's do everything we can to hold people, and he meant rapists, accountable who do something like that, rape, to protect women from that. Let's harshly punish the rapist, but we don't punish the unborn child. Okay, and that's where their attempt to obfuscate the issue is. It's not a child below six weeks. It's a collection of undifferentiated cells. But it doesn't sound good to say we don't punish a bunch of undifferentiated cells. Okay. <sighs> Republicans, 
have always put non-people ahead of actual people. Whether we're talking about corporations or fetuses, you are a second-class citizen if your needs conflict with the needs of those two groups. And um, I've heard and read on uh, online and in other sources that uh, we're beginning to call these anti-abortion Republican creeps forced birther a forced birther movement, and it sounds uh, like that's what it is. Okay, there was a, uh, an actual okay, and I read this on an OBGYN's uh, website. And uh, there was a 13-year-old girl that came to him, and uh, he is an OBGYN in, in Texas. I'm not going to tell the town or any names of anybody. But she was raped by her grandfather. And uh, she didn't even realize that she was pregnant until about... Um, Two to three months had gone by when I guess her parents or her older sister or somebody took her in to see this uh, uh, OBGYN. Now, okay, I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to tell you what the OBGYN said, but according to now Texas law, she must carry this child to term. And uh, again, I'm going to riff here. This uh, politician, Republican politician, back in Missouri, that, uh, man, I can't remember the name of the uh, lady that uh, beat him in an election, and she was a senator from Missouri for, uh, for six years. Claire McCaskill. Okay. Uh, she beat this turd. And one of the things that he said and when he was questioned about his pro-life stance uh, and this very situation of a, of a young girl being raped or through incest, he said, and he looked sad about it, of course, crocodile tears, uh, it's part of God's great plan that he had for this young girl. Okay, well, first of all, I don't believe in God. Okay, but there is no great plan, and uh, what kind of a God would allow this? Okay, that's all an academic question because, you know, it's a hypothetical. But anyway, so I'm kind of curious after all of this stuff, how did the evangelical Christian right become so anti-women's choice and uh, in opposition to all abortions? Uh, what's the history here? Have they always been this way? Uh, quick time check. Okay, the 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 YouTube people will see me leaning in to look at my screen here, but I have plenty of time. In fact, I may not be able to even fill up the uh, 58 minutes. 
Okay, um, were they always this way? Okay, the answer is no, they weren't. In 1971 and in 1974 and in 1976, after, and the 1976 and 74 ones was after Roe v. Wade, which occurred in uh, 73, resolutions were passed by the Southern Baptist Convention, probably the most uh, right-wing of all the uh, evangelical sects, uh, that in this resolution they said that women should have access to abortion for a variety of reasons. And I haven't read that resolution, so I don't know what these variety of reasons are. Um, but they should have access to abortion for a variety of reasons. The government, which, um, uh, especially the federal government, which is, has always been under suspicion uh, from uh, right-wing evangelical Christians, as far as uh, they go, you know, back in those days, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, that the federal government should just butt out of their lives. Their... Uh, uh, another word I'm looking for. It'll pop into my mind. Okay, white evangelicals at that... Uh, okay, darn it. I've lost my place in my notes. Uh, the government should play a limited role in this matter, the, the matter of women's health and abortions. Well, evangelicals at that time saw abortion as largely a Catholic issue. Well, they tended to see the Catholics as a papist cult anyway. Um, and so anything that the Catholics were for, they were quite suspicious of. And then Catholics nowadays are part of this anti-abortion uh, forced birther movement. Okay, what caused this turnaround? Uh, okay, I wrote a little note on in the margins on my note, uh, and I'd better say it now before I forget to say it at all. October 2nd of this year, okay, what would that be? About uh, one, two, three weeks, okay? In three weeks, October 2nd, there will be a nationwide women's march uh, mainly in Washington, D.C., but uh, in all big cities and even some small cities. I, I hope there's one here in Petaluma. But if there's not, uh, I encourage all my listeners out there to encourage the women in their lives and the women they know to take part in this Women's March for women's rights, uh, women's health, uh, anti-Republicans, uh, anti really, is, is what it's going to amount to. All right. So, okay, where was I? Okay. Uh, what caused this turnaround in evangelical Christian right-wing thinking? And I use the word thinking in its uh, widest sense, I guess. Okay. 
a Supreme Court case, Green v. Connolly. Segregation in public schools was outlawed in, do all my listeners remember this, 1954, and Brown v. Board of Education. In the South, uh, our fount of progressivism, uh, okay, I wrote a word here. Okay, in the South was segregation academies uh, formed. Okay, now this was shortly after Brown versus Board of Education. Well, Southerners, meaning segregationists, uh, meaning Dixiecrats, which was the conservative wing of the Democratic Party. There were Northern Democrats and Southern Democrats or Dixiecrats. They were all for segregation. And they are the ones that made extensive use of the filibuster, uh, something that's used by Republicans uh, nowadays to uh, keep down any progressive agenda that uh, the Biden administration is trying to put forward. Okay, so we need to get rid of the filibuster. Filibuster. This... Uh, Echo in my headphones doesn't help. I've said that before, I guess. Okay. I repeat myself. All right. Uh, back to segregation academies. Uh, they were sponsored largely by evangelical leaders as tax-exempt religious schools. Quote-unquote public schools were drained of their white schools students largely, and they became um, predominantly black schools. So in the South, if you said, my kid is going to a public school, uh, other white parents would kind of frown and say, oh, they're going with all these black students. I'm sorry to hear that. Ugh. Okay, the white evangelical leaders relied on this tax-exempt status to afford to operate these religious schools, segregation academies. A group of parents in Holmes County, Mississippi, said this wasn't right and brought suit. Um, I'm not sure exactly uh, who the suit was against, uh, maybe it was um, Segregation Academy in their county. I, I don't know. Uh, I didn't have enough time to look up the exact uh, details of this lawsuit. But anyway, they brought suit. The decision was handed down in 1971. Um, and the justices said that um, any organization that engages in racial discrimination is not repeat, not, by definition, a charitable organization and uh, had no claim to tax-exempt status. Hmm. Jerry Falwell uh, was one of these evangelical leaders who had his own segregation academy 
in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia. Does that name sound familiar? Well, it has become or morphed into Liberty University. He also founded the Moral Majority. I'll talk about it a bit a little bit later. But Liberty University, which for a long time prohibited miscegenation, uh, dating somebody not of your own race. And believe me, there weren't a lot of blacks that attended Liberty University, and I can't for the life of me understand why any of them would. Uh, maybe they were recruited as athletes for their football and basketball teams. I don't know. But all I know that uh, Liberty University, not that long ago, rescinded that rule uh, that blacks couldn't date whites. Mm. And let's see, who, who's in charge of that now? Isn't it Jerry Falwell's son who's uh, in charge of that now? And wasn't, wasn't he involved in some scandal down in Florida with a, he and his wife's pool boy and threesomes? Uh, I'm going to have to look that up. Um, I wouldn't put it past him. Okay, at this time, um, Republican activist, now this is a evil guy, Paul Weyrich, W-E-Y-R-I-C-H. Um, he was trying to grow uh, the Republican Party base, voter base. Okay, he understood the electoral potential of white voters. Um, I lost my train of note thoughts here. He understood the electrical potential, electoral, not electrical, electoral potential of white evangelicals. Okay. Churchgoers in the pews equaled voters in the voting booth. Well, uh, but he needed an issue to mobilize these uh, evangelical church-going, pew-sitting potential voters. He feared that racism couldn't be that issue, although if you drilled down into the dark souls of evangelical Christians, that's exactly uh, a major part of their souls, if they have them. Uh, I wrote down here, although that, meaning racism, ran through the evangelical populace, but uh, societal changes around that time, uh, the early 70s, which means women's rights, gay rights, and free speech were on the rise. Okay, uh, the feminist movement. In fact, this was uh, the time of second wave feminism. And this is uh, the time that uh, uh, Gay, gays were agitating for their rights to just not be harassed, to uh, not be discriminated against in 
jobs and housing. Uh, this was a bit before the time that the term LGBTQ was in wide use. Um, gays and lesbians, th those were the only people that uh, were considered sinful uh, by the evangelical right-wing Republican Christians. Um, and then free speech. Well, what's wrong with that? Okay. Um, free speech around that time meant anti-war agitation and black rights. Remember the uh, Black Panthers? Uh, and uh, you remember uh, uh, Mexicans agitating for uh, farm worker organization rights, uh, Cesar Chavez. And uh, I'm riffing now. Uh, oh, I'm having a time, a hard time remembering his co-organizer. It'll That too will pop into my mind eventually. Anyway, the early 70s was the time for all that. Okay, if you were uh, anti-war, you should uh, be arrested or the police should club you over the head or, you know, use water cannons on you. Dolores Huerta. Okay, uh, these things always pop into my head eventually, sometimes even after the show's over. E, another check. Okay, Paul Wayrich. Way I'm going to uh, devote another 10 minutes uh, to this dude on another upcoming show. Anyway, uh, Wayrich... Uh, Oh, wait a minute. Let me back up. Let me back up. Okay, women's rights, gay rights, free speech, um, black power, all of that kind of stuff was in the early 70s. Okay, in 1976, Jimmy Carter was elected president. Um, he was a, a, an evangelical Christian himself, and he taught Sunday school. And uh, he was unapologetic about his uh, deeply held Christian beliefs. However, he was sensible about it. And uh, he, w he was way too liberal for the uh, creepy evangelicals of that time. And so they began to criticize him and move away from him. Well, four years after 1976... Uh, we had another guy, Ronald Reagan, uh, nominated for president on the Republican Party ticket. But, okay, Weyrich, and I'm going back to 1976, he sensed an issue over the horizon. Uh, abortions were rising. Women, those uppity creatures, were speaking out about their rights and uh, didn't particularly relish being a Harriet housewife and uh, wearing her dress and her pearl necklace. Uh, remember um, the feminine mystique, Betty Friedan's book? That was out. And women wanted to rise up 
in uh, corporations in this country, and they wanted to get advanced degrees. Heaven forfend. Uh, but anyway, that was all going on around this time, and abortions were on the rise because women wanted to control their own destinies, and sometimes a baby doesn't figure into their plans. Okay, anyway, way rich since this as an issue, and uh, abortions were on the rise, and uh, he teamed up, and I don't know who these guys are, uh, but with some anti-abortion zealots. They were probably Catholics, but they could have been uh, crusaders of the evangelical kind. I don't know. That's another thing I'm going to have to look up when I research Paul Weyrich. I don't even know if he's still alive. He probably is dead by now. Mm. Okay. And anyway, uh, Paul Weyrich uh, teamed up with these anti-abortion crusaders to convince Southern Baptist pastors and uh, other religious leaders, if they could, to start preaching against abortions and, and women's independence. That was just not Christian in their, from their point of view. Okay, the moral majority was formed in 1979. This was uh, right before the 1980 election, Ronald Reagan. And they threw, they being the moral majority, threw their support behind Ronald Reagan. Well, he was elected two terms. And oh, thus the alliance between the GOP and evangelical right-wing Christians was formed to the detriment of us all. Okay, in uh, 1971-72, uh, uh, I was just getting my degree from uh, Stanislaus State, and uh, I did well in college, not because I put in a lot of effort to it. I, you know, I was just worried about other things. Um, and getting a job after college was one of them. And I didn't pay a great deal of attention to political things back then. I told you listeners out there, my thousands and thousands, that uh, when I first registered to vote um, in um, 1964. I was 21. And uh, you had to be 21 back in those days. Since then, uh, the voting age has been lowered uh, to 18. And I think that happened on uh, President Nixon's watch in uh, 1972. Anyhow, uh, so these things, like the moral majority and Ronald Reagan's two terms, I, in researching all of these things for the benefit of my thousands and thousands of listeners out there, I'm kind of learning things myself. And uh, I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I'm, I was a history 
major. And these things in the 70s and 80s didn't really sink in. But uh, here they are, and here I am, the Midnight Skeptic, for the benefit of all of my thousands and thousands of listeners. Um, I've got about five more minutes here. Um, there's a... Uh, okay, oh, I was going to include this, uh, but it escaped my attention. Um, my time has run out, so oh, not really. Okay, at 58 minutes exactly, uh, KPCA cuts me off for their own things that they have to squeeze in here. So uh, I was, I thought I had enough notes here to uh, uh, talk for the full 58 minutes, including my playout music. But so uh, Murdoch's Australia. Australia News Corp is changing its stripes. Okay, well, what does that mean? Okay, uh, News Corp is the parent company of Fox News. Okay, this is Dateline, Sydney, Australia. I'm showing it up to the um, to the YouTube people here. the The radio people can't see this. But if you squint really hard, you might be able to see it. Okay. Sydney, Australia. After years of casting doubt on climate change and attacking politicians who favored corrective action, Rupert Murdoch's media outlets in his native Australia are planning an editorial campaign next month. And this, I cut this out of like uh, the New York Times. Uh, like two days ago. So this is recent stuff uh, in his native Australia are planning an editorial campaign next month advocating a carbon neutral future. Well, I wish him luck with that. Uh, I still blame him and Fox News for the Republican Party's uh, anti-science stance that that set our country and Australia and the, and the whole world, for that matter, back at least a generation in trying to uh, uh, mitigate the uh, CO2 and methane uh, growth in our atmosphere. Okay, depending on its content, the project, described by executives at Mr. Murdoch's News Corp on Monday, could be a breakthrough that provides political cover for Australia's conservative government to end its refusal to set ambitious emission targets. If sustained, it could also put pressure on, wait for it, Fox News uh, and other Murdoch-owned outlets in the United States and Britain that have been hostile to client, uh, climate science, uh, all science in general, but mainly that. Okay, uh, but let me redo this. I'm, I'm grab my. I, for the radio people, I'm looking at a magnifying glass uh, to read this article. 
the thing I dislike about the New York Times is their font, their type font is so small that guys like me who are mm, getting up in years uh, find it hard to read. Okay, real quick, one more paragraph. Color me skeptical, that's a quote, said Michael E. Mann, director of the Earth System Science Center at Pennsylvania State University. Until Rupert Murdoch and News Corp call off their attack dogs at Fox News and the Wall Street Journal, who continue to promote climate change disinformation on a daily basis, these are hollow promises that should be viewed as a desperate ploy to uh, rehabilitate the public image of a leading climate villain. Okay, with that, I'm going to play my out music. You have been listening to The Midnight Skeptic on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. And we're at 103.3 on the FM dial and worldwide at www.kpca.fm. Support community radio at patreon.com slash Petaluma community access. And remember, think critically, think logically, but live joyously, and most importantly, pet your cats. My pleasure, people. I was just uh, testing out one of my sound effects. I haven't used very many of them, uh, and my son uh, went out of his way to uh, get all these sound effects for me. So anyway, that is uh, show number 33, and uh, I'm not going to have another supplemental show. So I will see all of you and uh, regale you with my wisdom in uh, two weeks. <laughs>